0: And the dynamics of this city alone are very interesting, right? Because we have an Ivy League school in the middle of the hood, right? Essentially. And you have these people whose lives, you know, they share space with each other and they don't really know each other. And we have so many stigmas around each other that some people are probably afraid to even get to know each other.
1: What's up, everyone? We are excited to welcome you to the second season of the Heartwood Podcast. This season, we'll be showcasing conversations around diversity, work-life balance, how people got interested in the environment, as well as how activities are developing here in New Haven, Connecticut, and here at the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies. What I hope you get out of this is that there are more voices that need to be heard around what to do with climate, environmental justice, and forestry as a whole. Some of our speakers come to us from different walks of professional and personal lives. Some work for the federal government. Some work right here in our local community here in New Haven. I think that you're about to have some great accounts and also some wisdom that's shared in this next season of the Hardwood Podcast. This week's episode showcases the talented youth and leadership of Solar Youth, now, Solar Youth provides urban youth with support and opportunities to succeed through their cycle of stewardship. In this cycle, through developmental relationships with caring adults, youth progressively build on their experiences, they gain critical developmental assets, and they serve as stewards to their communities and environments. I was fortunate to sit with these talented folks in Crew Hall, at the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies, because they were here for the annual Solar Jam where they were getting ready to show off their talents to those who were visiting. I worked the last few months with these outstanding individuals on an initiative that we call Writing Wrongs, where the young people shared their perspective on what they experienced environmentally through poetry, song, and other art. First, you're here from Yaksandra Diaz, one of the site coordinators for Solar Youth. I ask you, will you please listen to every word that Alexandra says, particularly her words about New Haven, Connecticut. Whether it's white fragility, savior mentality, or pitfalls in nonprofit leadership, Yex, as she's also known here in New Haven, speaks truth to power about what New Haven needs to succeed. She knows these students so well, and in particular, she understands that their future is New Haven's future. And if you stick around to the end, You'll also get to hear from the youth of Solar Youth who benefit from this program. And all these qualities that make them so brilliant, so amazing. Everything from their jokes to their insights about why these programs matter. As always, if you have any feedback or any thoughts that you'd like to share, please send it to thomas.easley at yale.edu. That's Easley, E-A-S-L-E-Y. And please let us know if there's someone that we should have on the show coming up soon or if there's a topic that you would like for us to discuss. Thank you. We look forward to hearing from you. Ms. Yeck says, the kids call. How did you get to Solar Youth? Like how just, you know, because I mean, I know, you know, you got Connecticut. And- you got a lot of things you know how you got here you know so you you, you, you kind of a traveler so what's up
0: um yeah the, the journey <coughs> to solar youth is very interesting um because um I am a Chicago native but I was mm-hmm. raised in Connecticut New Haven Connecticut mm-hmm. for the better part of my life mm-hmm. and I relocated to Virginia Beach um, several years ago and upon moving back it was almost like started from scratch all over again. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, why am I back here? What's the purpose of this? Mm-hmm. And um, something that I have always considered myself was an advocate of my community. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, I have a... I, I articulate myself very well, and I have very good public speaking skills. So mm-hmm. a lot of people come to me, you know, um, a voice for the voiceless, mm-hmm. almost. So... I, you know, was trying to forge my path and figure things out, but something that I constantly do out here is try to attend as many community events that I can, and there just so happened to be an event in Fairhaven. It's called the Fairhaven Family Stroll Day. It happens every year. It just passed um, this past weekend, and... It's a free event. It's a wonderful opportunity to mix and mingle with your neighbors and see the people who are tabling there and what kinds of things that they have going on in your community. So I brought my children out. And I'm stopping at each individual table. You know, Mm -hmm. what are you and what do you do at New Haven? And I get to the public allies table and... um, They're like, you know, this is what we do. We are, you know, their mission is, Public Allies' mission is to create a just and equitable society and the diverse leadership to sustain it. And they're talking about all of this community work, and I'm like, you pay people to do this? I do this for free. Where do Mm -hmm. I sign up? So I sign up, and I go through the whole process, and I'm accepted, and, um, you know, it's a, a, it's, it's just a very Different dynamic because most of my cohorts, or most of the people that you do see in, uh, um, as allies, are um, either coming straight out of high school or straight out of college. And um, I'm most of their seniors. I'm gonna be 30 years old this year. I have four children. I've never been to college. The dynamics are very different. And then I'm placed in these positions where, um, as my ED would say, that I, you know, the teachable things are easy. And I have the non-teachable qualities. Um, so we interview with a different selection of or, um, nonprofit organizations to see who we're compatible with. And mm-hmm. Solar Youth, just, it was just like stars were flying <laughs> during the <laughs> interview. It, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, they chose me, and mm-hmm. here I am.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, uh, I'm fortunate to be working with you because I know my, my avenues have definitely been broadened since we've been working together the last like four or five months. Um, so could you tell us like what you do now with the program, um, you know, or, uh, you know, the appointment that you have, you know, is it through another organization with Solar Youth or is it straight Solar Youth, you know, like, you know, like, uh, you know, could you like share, you know, a little bit of that?
0: So what I do with the program, Mm -hmm. with this
1: creative writing program specifically? I would say in general and then specifically, if you don't mind.
0: No, I don't mind at all. So in general with the program, so like as an AmeriCorps service member, there's like, um, you know, we have a lot of Mm commitment. And, um, you know, we have this continuous professional development where every every single week we are um, going through professional development that helps us increase our leadership skills. Then we have our placement, and I'm placed at Solar Youth, and my objective is to help them increase their capacity, and um, it, it, it's a very lovely thing because I have done exactly that in many different capacities, and um, within Solar Youth, there are other roles that I play. So as it, when we first started off as, um, as the environmental youth educator, I was more so of an aid to the educators who are already there. And, you know, um, I would help them see the faults in the program that they could strengthen to make it more solid. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was entrusted with this program, which was really nice. Dr. Easley was holding a lecture at the Whitney Cultural Commons about environmental injustice in New Haven. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see what it was about because I live in New Haven. And then they were talking about he's a rapper, and I was like, The assistant dean, of, (laughs) he's a rapper? Okay, I want to see what this brother got. So I get there, and the first thing he says is, I am not here to cater to anybody's white fragility. And it was so empowering to hear that come out of, you know, a brother's mouth in his position and to be talking about environmental injustice in the neighborhood where I come from, Um, you know, in this the, 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 the dynamics of this city alone are very interesting, right? Because we have an Ivy League school in the middle of the hood, right, essentially. Mm-hmm. And you have these people whose lives, you know, they share space with each other and they don't really know each other. Mm-hmm. And we have so many stigmas around each other that some people are probably afraid to even get to know each other. Um, so... He's giving this lecture, and I'm listening to it, and I'm telling myself, um, and not to be crass, but this is BS. This is BS. Um, To be brutally honest, what you see a lot of with nonprofits is um, the savior mentality. And it's where you see individuals who have great intentions come in and serve a community that they have no relation to, so it's difficult to serve them. Because when you're coming from a place of formal education, and that's the only toolbox you have, you know, um, and not from a place of personal experience, it's hard to relate and it's hard to serve those people. Mm -hmm. When you are at a certain level and people are at a, 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 a level maybe not where you're at, You're supposed to be able to come down to their level and meet them where they're at. You can't expect somebody to jump up to your level and meet you where you're at. Um, So we're having, he's having this discussion, and then he gets to his Q and A segment, and all of the uh, there's many people in the audience who get up and I'm waiting on the questions that they have, and they're not really questions. They're bragging about what their organizations do for New Haven, and I'm sitting here like I've been a resident of New Haven for at least 26 out of my 29 years, Mm -hmm. and it is not what it seems. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can go knock on these people's doors who live out here and ask them, you know? Yes, we have, how I don't know, 52 community gardens. Who has access to them? Are the people taught how to keep them up? Uh, um, Do the people know that the soil in New Haven is tainted with lead? All of these different dynamics. So it sounds good, when it's presented. It probably looks great on paper, but is it really beneficial? To, are these things really beneficial to the community? And when I tell you I was ho- I was hot, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was upset, and I told myself I wasn't going to get on the mic, because besides Dr. Easley, there was probably two other brown people in the building, right. and I didn't want to seem like the mad, angry black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided I was just going to approach him afterwards, and I did, and I said, you know, This is what's going on, and this is what's going on, and what are you going to do about it? And he said, no, I've been here for 10 months. This is all news to me. What are we going to do about this? And I was like, oh, oh, (laughs) we. (laughs) I I didn't even think that far ahead. (laughs) So it was just like this wonderful happenstance meeting of us that allowed this opportunity to happen you know at all Mm -hmm. and um we both just so happen to be creatives Mm -hmm. and joanne Mm -hmm. who does exactly what she does um and who is great at what she does connected us together and had this bright idea to create this writing program where these children are able to express themselves and then potentially have a performance piece for the solar jam so that the people who they are um the people who fund this Mm -hmm. and the people who do want to serve these communities know exactly the perspective that the children are coming from. It's Mm -hmm. just like writing your um, constituents. It's like writing your state representatives. Mm -hmm. They need to know what's going on with you so that they can properly serve you. You know, I tell Mm -hmm. my kids that all the time. Um, They did a writing project and they were writing Rosa Delora. And I told them I wrote Rosa Delora when I was in the the fifth grade too. Mm -hmm. And she wrote me back. And they represent us but they may not live and work mm-hmm. and spend their lives in these communities, right. so they need people like you to convey that message to them so mm-hmm. that they can represent you properly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think that's what that program, this program does for the kids. It's, build- mm-hmm. it's building and bridging gaps between mm-hmm. the community that is served and the individuals who serve the community.
1: Mm. Well, I can tell you right now, just... Uh it's, it's been um as I you know I, I can compliment all day, so I, was, I won't do it but I want to admit like when we when we met and um, I, I think she took no credit away from herself you know she, she didn't say it like that to me you know what <laughs> you it was just more like so you explained you actually said to me what you just said about the programs in the community yes I remember that and I went oh okay and so while they're telling you all of this stuff Thomas that's going on this is what's actually happening so then I said okay, Well then how can I actually be of relevant help then? Like, you know, like how can I do something? So then the first thing, you know, EXD was started telling me about the about the structures, the people to actually talk to, to actually get something done. That's why we were able to go to the New Haven, Adult and Continuing Ed Center, because I followed up on what you said. The VP was there, he was the first person to ask me a question. And then I followed up on that. Now we have a program with them, you know, thank you for being more. Benevolent and open with your time and everything because then we created this program and she's the one that came up with the term Writing wrongs, you know, and not the youth wrongs because it's not them the wrongs of the community The the social community not the community that the children are based in the social community That has impacted the communities that that the children and their families are based in So then from there I was just I was just locked in, you know, like, okay Let's see, you know, let's see what we can do and then when I saw she did with the youth I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna stay in my lane and learn thank god and then i asked her to call me thomas because i was like please don't call me because there ain't no need for a doctor here but you you the doc and um you know she still called me doctor but i'm like please stop and um but she, i really felt like you connected with the so with the children in so many ways in addition to you know like the, the nurturing and the brilliant and the militant and so and and we and, and we and we clicked on that so what i want to ask you is if you don't mind, because I, I, it's like I want to focus on the program, but I really want to focus on you. Like, what about you? What in you do you imbue these beautiful folks with for them to keep going? I know that they're already focused and ambitious, so that's not taking anything away from them. But there's something that you do, because it only happens when you're around. If you, and I know it's hard for us to be a Jeff by ourselves, so no, it's you know okay. you try, but. No, I can do it. Okay. Um,
0: because it comes from a very <clears throat> um, honest and humble place. Um, I had my first child when I was 16, Syra, Mm -hmm. the young lady who was sitting in the chair over there. Mm -hmm. Um, I got pregnant when I was 15. I gave birth when I was uh, 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And that's not the track that I was on. I was destined, you know, I was like academically charged. um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I was I'm a product of my environment. Mm -hmm. Literally, I had a mother, single mother, four children. Worked multiple jobs, was never home. And after a while, I wanted attention from her. I couldn't get it from her. And I thought if I could get it, you know, if I could catch her attention by going out and staying outside, I would do these things. And I ended up pregnant at a very young age, which caused me to have to sit still. And, you know, while some people, I think, have a different perspective of uh, teen parenthood, um, Mm -hmm. you know, growing with my daughter, I remember what it's like to be a kid and I think that's important for parents or adults who deal with youth, period, is we get so caught up in life and the stresses of life and the responsibilities of life and all of these things that we have going on that we forget what it's like to be a kid. Mm -hmm. And um, I let my kids draw on the walls at home because I can clean the walls and I can paint the walls, but my Mm -hmm. kids will always, always remember if I yelled at them for something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important to let kids understand that while we're going through life, all of these experiences are brand new to us. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. Whatever you experience tomorrow, it's going to be brand new for you. So kids coming in through themselves is a, a confusing new experience. And we should not, you know, create any more um, chaos or confusion. So an advice that I always give parents when they ask me is that to never confuse your journey in life with your children's journey. Right? Mm-hmm. Your kids are of you. They're not you. Right? Right? Mm-hmm. We can't force them to do anything. I let my kids know that I do not conform to anything or any anything anybody tells me to. That mm-hmm. I do what makes me happy because society we have uh, society has, you know, uh, uh, created these standards that um, cause people to kind of go insane, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to clock in, you have to clock out, that, yes. you have yeah. to uh, spend an excessive amount of money to fulfill your dreams, mm-hmm. right? Um, you have to do all of these things that suck the life out of you. And then your expectations, you're expected to function as a a perfectly healthy functioning human. And it, it, life doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, then we have all of these dysfunctional adults and dysfunctional relationships. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's because we don't take the time to do the things that make us happy. Right. We try Mm -hmm. to adhere to what society says are, are, are the measures of success. And um, I try to live outside of those bounds. And I try to teach my kids to live outside of those bounds, too. And um, so I tell my kids to do whatever they want. Make, do what makes them happy. Even if it goes against what makes me happy, do what makes you happy, because your life is to live for yourself. And I try to carry that over into, my, into um, you know, um, the, the teaching and the instruction that I give um, the youth. And I think there's also a point of relatability. When you have somebody, represent, representation matters. You know? And what you see in the school systems, especially the public school systems, is predominantly white or Caucasian teachers teaching predominantly colored children. And these you know, um, children do not know how to relate to people who they are taught, from when they're very young, are not their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say enemies because that's a very strong word, but they are taught to fear, um, you know, Caucasian individuals from a, from a very young age because Caucasian individuals are taught to fear us too. Mm-hmm. That's why I was saying we have, these, we have a, 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 a city full of people who share time and space but are afraid to get to know each other because of all of these stigmas that we have around each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, uh, in, individuals who do want to speak to each other but don't know how to speak to each other mm-hmm. because there are communication barriers. Something that I introduced at Solar Youth was code switch training because it's mm-hmm. vital. It's vital for my interns who are learning career skills and life skills to know that there is a time and a place to speak in a professional way and a time and a space when they speak in their you know, um, ca- casual ways with their friends. And there's also a level where the individuals who serve them need to know how to understand their mode of communication Mm -hmm. um, so that they can meet them where they're at. Mm -hmm. And to understand the nonverbal cues also, right, because uh, um, black children, especially uh, uh, not just black children, impoverished children deal with things that a lot of people cannot fathom. So when a kid comes to school cranky in the morning and a teacher is ready to discipline them, I'm thinking: Did they get sleep mm-hmm. at night? Mm-hmm. Are they in an abusive household? Mm-hmm. Are they food insecure? Mm-hmm. And that's where we're supposed to come from. We're supposed to come mm-hmm. from a trauma-informed. Um, you know, uh, you want to address the behavior. You don't. You want to address the root of the behavior. You don't want to. Mm-hmm. You know, punish the behaviors. Mm -hmm. And we are living in a society where we're dealing with a lot of old, outdated systems Mm -hmm. that don't fit anymore. And I think it's all about trying new things and new approaches. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, there's a level of empowerment that comes with that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of erasure of our culture and our people and our history. And this is something that I constantly give my kids. Um, You know, I let them know things about themselves that they don't know about themselves. And I also let them know that I expect so much more of you, because we come from a society where they expect us to fail. We are expected to fail. We, they, all these kids see, these kids live in housing subsidies, but they're really just the projects. And all these kids see our violence, drug use, abuse, adults who have um, the cognitive skills of like teenagers Mm -hmm. and um, that's their only example. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's hard to hold people accountable for behaviors that they developed under circumstances that were created Mm -hmm. and forced upon them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think those are the Dynamics that I bring to that that make it very different for the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, I think that kids, when people have formal training and dealing with children, Mm -hmm. they're taught to to almost walk on eggshells. Right. We deal with nonviolent communication Mm -hmm. and people think that nonviolent communication means that you can't be firm with a child Mm -hmm. and you can be firm and and communicate Mm nonviolently. And that's what I do. Some of my other yes. educators, my, my, my co-workers are afraid, you know, to, to talk firmly to these kids. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's the mother in me mm-hmm. or what that I can do it in, yes. in, in a nonviolent fashion because mm-hmm. it, it, it is doable. You don't have to raise your voice. I can project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't have to yell at the kids, but I can project. Mm-hmm. You know, I would never tell a kid to shut up, but I could tell a kid to hush. And that's not violent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's letting them know that there are boundaries that are set and, and, and that we all have to adhere to them. In our space, respect is, a, is baseline. It's not given and it's not earned. We don't deal in ageism and any of the isms. We are all equal. Yeah.
3: So, so about, uh, I just want to share a, a story that mm-hmm. happened in this room like a month and a half ago. So it's the Environmental Film Festival at Yale and one of the, um, the sort of keynote films was this film called Cooked. Mm-hmm. And are you familiar with this film? I've heard. Yeah, so this heat wave in Chicago in 1995 killed 700 people, predominantly people of color. And in sort of like the debrief of the event, uh, of the heat wave, uh, it became very obvious that the white leadership of Chicago was like, Uh, critically underprepared to deal with that kind of natural catastrophe. And this woman's film told the story of this. During the Q&A, one of my classmates, AJ, uh, who's a person of color, raised his hand and said, I enjoyed the film, but I want you to know I, I don't think it went far enough. Like I don't think you made the case that this was deliberate. I left the film thinking that this was sort of like um, coincidental uh, and he asked, he asked her this question and what she responded with was like I hear you and I want you, want you to know that I feel the same way but in making this film I was faced with this challenge of telling the complete truth and telling a story that would be palatable to white folks and a story that would be uh, that would leave white folks comfortable enough in their discomfort to want to do something about it. I think this is like a real just point of tension in the world right now for like repairing the systemic inequities that we have is that across leadership white people are overrepresented, people of color are underrepresented. So there has to be this combined thing where we elevate people of color into positions of power and the white people who are in power advocate for people of color. But to get to that point, we have to be telling these stories. And I'm just wondering like, your thoughts on this like, delicate balance between telling the full, complete, unadulterated truth and maybe code switching is the word for it, but telling a story that's more palatable to white leadership that galvanizes them to change because it's more comfortable to them. I think that's like a, a really interesting balance that I'm thinking about a lot, especially at this school.
0: Yeah. Um It's very interesting because I have um, a lot of people around me who push me to do things that I feel are outside of my comfort zone, like get into politics, um, because I feel like I'm extremely abrasive. And like you said, not palatable for white people. Um, And it's difficult, you know? Because somebody like me, who would probably be a great proponent of that, I don't know how to. I don't know how to water it down. I do not know how to sugarcoat it. I do not know how to, uh, uh, um, you know, fix myself in front of an audience to smile and talk about these things at the same time. I don't know how not to be angry. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's difficult. And I feel like, you know, I understand exactly what, you know, during one of our continuous professional development days, um, we were watching... The movie, the, the documentary about the Freedom Riders. Mm-hmm. And this is something I have watched many times before. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I watched it with a group of individuals and a group that included white individuals. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that came to my mind is how uncomfortable they would feel. Mm-hmm. I, felt, I felt bad. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I shouldn't feel bad for their discomfort. And I have an, a, a, a friend. Um, who identifies as non-binary, but they are Caucasian, and who I expressed that after the film was done, and they said, we should feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We should feel uncomfortable. And I think it's a very difficult thing, because like I said, we have a lot of old systems in place. Mm-hmm. A lot of old systems that um, are not beneficial to anybody, but the people who put them in place. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I mean, not even middle class, upper class, upper uh, class, uh, uh, Everybody across the board, um, and what they do is they pit us against each other, right? So it's hard. It's hard when you're looking for someone to blame, and it's easy to blame the person that's in front of you because you can't see who's behind the scenes pulling all of these strings. So it's really difficult to say this is how we need to do it. The only way to do it is like you said, and um, this is the first This year is the first time that I understood, I know the definition of an ally, but I understood what it is to be an ally. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think advocacy maybe is not the best word, but allyship is. Mm -hmm. People who can say, I don't understand what you are going through, and I don't understand what you have gone through, I do recognize my privilege Mm -hmm. and my power and my influence, and I am gonna use that to to benefit you and your plight, in your community, mm-hmm. um, because I have benefited off of it for so many years. Mm-hmm. And it's not a blame thing. And I think that's where a lot of people think that's, that that's how they think, that we are blaming you for inherently benefiting off of this. It is not your fault. You Literally you. you know It's not your fault. Um, but you can use your, your your influence and your privilege and your power to shift those dynamics and shift that paradigm. Um, yeah, so I, I think there's no, there's no easy recourse for that. That that, that, that that's an extremely difficult answer to, to, I mean, question to answer.
1: I have an answer too, but I'm not interviewed. I want to so hear it. it. Right, don't worry. <laughs> well, I, well, first I agree with everything that was just said. Um, and all honesty, I I myself don't. F- okay, so whenever I'm in discussions around diversity, what usually goes on in my head is this: I'm really finding a smoother way of making white people feel comfortable with Mm -hmm. this. and That's usually the first thing. But then I have to do something else. I have to go, and I don't care what people in this room think or feel about me. Mm -hmm. And that's from all sides. Because Mm -hmm. I think every way you can address it is important. This is what I mean. You can address it calm and Mm -hmm. talk to people. Somebody's going to hear that. Mm -hmm. You can actually get an attitude, too, and say, fuck. And say all kinds of stuff and somebody may actually hear that mm-hmm. and then you can do the obama thing i think you know which is to be racing different from time to time and how you talk mm-hmm. and some people may also get that so for me i feel like it's i, I don't think that i can represent at all mm-hmm. you know um i just try to be present with how i feel in the moment so like if i'm about to give a presentation and i'm mad i give you a warning Mm -hmm. You need a warning, Mm -hmm. because when this mouth starts flying, it is nothing but razor blades. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why it's nothing but razor blades, because I care so much about Mm -hmm. people. I always tell people the most sensitive people are the ones you got to be concerned about, and usually sometimes Mm -hmm. maybe the most quiet or the most loud. Mm -hmm. The in-betweens, no, it's it's the extremes I think you got to be concerned about, because the most sensitive people can be the most helpful and also the most dangerous. Because... If their feelings aren't heard and if they are not cool with themselves, they're giving you what you're giving and they're giving you them too. They're giving it. So my thing is when I'm in these discussions, you know, I've recognized that I have a responsibility, okay? The responsibility is to be true to myself. That's the first thing. Mm
0: -hmm. The
1: second responsibility is I'll be responsible to you for what I'm about to do. I will not be responsible for you. Mm -hmm. I'll be responsible to you, which means if I hurt your feelings, I can stand and look in your face and say, okay, and I may say, so what? I may not apologize if I didn't mean to. Since I didn't mean to, I won't apologize. And that's what I tell people, I don't apologize for what I didn't do, or I don't apologize for what I didn't mean. I never do it. Here's the funny thing. I don't expect anyone else to do it to me either. The thing that I give is what I can take. So I can be an asshole, but that's because I can take one. If I can't be it, I don't give it. And seriously, I actually don't give it. if I'm like, you know what, I'm extra so sensitive today, somebody may say the wrong thing. So that means I'm not gonna say the wrong thing. You see? And I think that's the challenge that a lot of people have. How do people just be sorry, no, how do people not. see, you know, take the shoes off real shit? <laughs> uh how do people manage themselves in the midst of this? And that's what and that's how I go into into a room now, because I don't trust that other people will receive me. That's why we that's why I talked the way I did at Whitneyville Cultural Commons. I knew that if I went in there and said Hey, now well, here's one thing. I'm going to be honest with you. I went in there knowing that I knew more than most people in that room. Yeah. I just never said it out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. I knew it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I knew it. And here's why. Because I'm not from here. Yeah. I've been all over the world talking about it. So, so I do have some knowledge that I can offer. Here's what I also, but here's what I know. I'm not the smartest person in that room. Yeah. See, that's the attitude. See, I don't go in there. I'm not, no, I just know that I know more than they do about certain things. But I don't know everything. Yeah. So I talked and I said, hey. I'm gonna tell you what I know, or what I think I know, and then I'm gonna ask you something. Tell me how I can help you. Cause if what I say doesn't matter, then this can't help you. See? So I'm humble enough to set myself aside. See, so that's the. So then, can I be quiet? Can can I shrink without shrinking myself? Sure, I can. Sure, I can. So that's why I can say what I say, say how I say. It. And I think that when I speak, and I think when you speak too, I think that's what people feel. People feel your heart, and if your heart is coming out. Yeah. That's what hits people, whether you're cursing, whether you're quiet, whether you agitated on purpose, whether you're agitated um, unintentionally, that's what they feel. And that's why every time you open your mouth, I'm always like, because I feel like I get her heart every time she speaks, like, like for real. I, I, I'm appreciating watching your parenting style just with you know, from, from what I see sometimes. I wish, wish I'd have had that up. Anyway, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's not that the discipline is not there, but the talking is there and the discipline is in the talking. Yeah. I came up with a discipline was in this. Mm-hmm. So I miss this. So that's why I like talking to these children in particular because I can tell they respond to that. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? And so I do for people what I wish people had done for me. That's why I talk the way that I talk when I talk to people for most people. Even when I talk about this stuff. If I want you to be gentle with me, I'm going to be gentle with you. If I want you to give it to me, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it to you. But here's the thing. I don't control you. I just control me. Mm-hmm. So I just try to be ready for whatever comes as best I can.
0: And like Dr. Like Thomas, Thomas said. Thank you. Like Thomas <laughs> said, the opposite of love is not uh, the, the opposite of love is not anger.
2: Mm. It's not
0: hate. Mm. It's indifference. Mm. Right? The same God, love and anger or love and hate is on the same exact spectrum. Mm they're just on the opposite ends, like a battery with a negative and a positive charge. So when you see somebody getting angry and riled up, it's because they have all of this love inside that's not being properly reciprocated. Like like Thomas said, in regards to responsibility, I think there's um, a a lesson that a lot of, and, you know, I think in the hood, it's something that we would, a lot of people, um, what they is like civilized so you Mm -hmm. know because there's the civilized and there's the savage and that's Mm -hmm. how we address each other right so there's like a duty of the civilized to civilize the uncivilized Mm -hmm. and in doing that you have a responsibility and a a part of that responsibility is um, taking accountability for the actions of others right who know no better there are literally individuals out here who mm-hmm. act and behave and engage in behaviors that are vile, mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. don't know any better how do you mm-hmm. hold that against them. I always tell mm-hmm. my children, I'm going to hold you accountable, but I would never hold you hold it against you. Mm-hmm. Because that's important. Because these conditions were created to make these individuals behave this way. Mm-hmm. So how do you hold that to them? Some of us come up out of it, and we rise above it and then we say oh i did it you can do it too mm-hmm. but it's not that easy we forget how long we were in that lower level state right, right, right. before we figured out these tools that are out here sure. that are at our disposal i didn't if i knew about public allies when i was 19 versus 29 mm-hmm. this would be a whole different conversation right now hmm. um you know so once you realize these tools and these resources are out here and then you're able to utilize these tools to lift yourself up out of your condition or your state. Mm-hmm. It is your duty to help people who don't who who were in the same position prior to you. Mm-hmm. Not to say I did it so you should be able to do it to yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come down and meet you where you're at because I'm already up here and I know how to stay I know how to keep myself up yep. here.
4: Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can't
0: come up here and meet me where I'm at. I'm going to come here and I'm going to mm-hmm. meet you where you're at.
1: But the way I you like just you said, said that, I love what you just said because it's the value. I, I know you got to go. I, I, I'll just say this. Going back on something, you know, that I said. Like everyone in that room, I knew, I know that I was new to this city, right? So I have no grounds to come into the city and tell anybody what to do, regardless of what I know. That's why I, I asked, please tell me what, what do I need to know. But I can tell people appreciate it how I spoke to them, mm-hmm. you see, and the fact that I did teach something, like, oh, no, I got something from this. Mm-hmm. I think most people were more surprised that I guess I wasn't corny and that I really could rap, I think. I think that <laughs> was a floor people. Like, I was
0: surprised. That's
1: everybody said. I guess they thought I was going to be a cheesy rapper. Who the hell is this? And then when they were like, wait a minute, no, he actually can rap, and he's actually being genuine about what he's talking about, and he's going to do what he said that he's going to do. And my thing is I've learned that from the best. I've watched people do it. I, I paid attention to how I... Responded to them. So that's why I try to give people the gold and the platinum rule. I want to treat you like I want to be treated, mm-hmm. right? But because I'm not you, I also want to treat you like you want to be treated. So I always leave space mm. for you to instruct me, you know. And the only person I instruct is me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if so, it, like if Chris says something and it pisses me off, guess what? Chris ain't know who I'm, you're not who I'm talking to first. I'm talking to me first. What did my bro say that made you mad for Then if I can't figure it out, then i go to Chris. (laughs) Chris, can I talk to you for a minute? And that's why we use the nonviolent. I, but as Jack said, I'm going to be firm. Hey, look, bro. You said something the other day. I felt like this. Mm. Can you just help me? You see what I'm saying? I'm not backing down, but I'm coming to you as a friend, Mm. and I'm not saying all this. No, I'm just like, hey, this is what I heard. That's the same way I talk about diversity when I'm talking to people. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I stick with the facts. I stick with, with what happened. Then I own my stuff, and then I leave space for you to come out to me. Or leave space for me to come back to you But the whole point is for us to meet each other
0: And so. that space is supposed to be made so that You can Express your emotion logically
1: Oh right? my god, express your emotion
0: logically Th- That's what I do I would say I'm having this feeling But this feeling is irrational I'm, in, I'm submerged in this feeling right now It's not rational But, but I can talk about it in a rational way And that's how you break ground. Mm. Uh, um, People are afraid to have conversations because they're afraid of discomfort. They're afraid Mm -hmm. to lean into discomfort. They're afraid of courageous conversation. This Mm -hmm. is something that I constantly bring up at Solar Youth because Mm -hmm. it is a space where courageous conversation is encouraged, but the people do not take advantage of it because they are Mm -hmm. afraid. Mm -hmm. They are afraid of the backlash, and they are only afraid of the backlash because of um, uh, (coughs) the culture of uh, the United States, mm-hmm. the culture of the United States does not encourage that. It does right. not encourage conver, uh, courageous conversation. Not at all. The corporate world does not, not encourage you to openly share your feelings and your thoughts with all. your um, higher ups. Nope. No, you're nope. supposed to shut up and do your job. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you have somebody like a Thomas or like myself who come who can come into a space like that and unapologetically say no. We have to talk about these things, and it's okay for us to be in in discomfort while we talk about these things. We're supposed to be in discomfort. Mm-hmm. We should feel uncomfortable. That's the only way we're gonna make change if we feel uncomfortable, because mm-hmm. we, we we're gonna figure out how to get up out of that discomfort. I bet you we will. Yeah, hmm. um, yeah. So I just implore you know everybody to you know understand that the only things that really matter in life are our family and our shared purpose. Nobody mm-hmm. has an individual purpose. All of our purposes are shared. Mm-hmm. If not, what are we doing here, mm-hmm. you know? Mm.
1: You know what? Mm-hmm. I think that's, we're going to sign off on Hardwood, but this is how we're going to sign off watch this. I already know what y'all are thinking. Yes, you need to have her back for a part two. So look here, we, we're going to have you back. Okay, <laughs> to continue. Let me look at Chris, because I already know we, we, we good. <laughs> I'm gonna have you back, okay, Miss Yetz. <laughs> sure. Okay. Everybody, trust me, because I'm full now. I'm full now, and I'm hungry at the same time. I need some more. <laughs> so we're gonna do this again. Queen, thank you.
0: It's an honor and a pleasure. Likewise. Always, always, always. Next time, maybe I'll have an opportunity to share some um some poetry.
1: So we're going to um We'll start. Let's see. Um, if, if you want, if you don't mind, maybe you could just say your names again, just real quick, okay, before we get started. So then when you answer, you can probably say, like, I'm, mm, and here's my answer or something, okay? So, like I said, I'm Thomas. Let's go to the right.
5: I'm Bella. Saylor. Andranik. Kaylani. Layla.
1: Nasaya. All right. Okay. Now, y'all heard that, okay? So, we're about to get some wisdom from these young folks, okay? Whoever can answer this, but please, you know, like, I'm not saying you got to raise your hand, but, you know, like, just, like, you know, let us know so we're not talking over each other, okay? So you just told us your name, but why did you join Solar Youth? Or why are you participating in this program?
4: I decided to join Solar Youth because I think it will be a good program to get my homework done and get stuff done because there's not much programs, So I felt like it was a good opportunity. Okay, homework. I
5: joined Soul Youth because I've been to like a, a lot of programs, and most of them, they make us do stuff. We don't have a choice. Mm. And if we don't want to do it, it's basically not a choice. You have to do it.
6: Um, I originally joined Soul Youth because my mom, Miss Yex, made me, but I continued to stay because I really liked being able to show a different side of myself there. Come at home, and I like the people there. It get, helps me get my work done, and I get to do things I wouldn't have done without it.
2: I enjoy solo youth because I feel like when other people around me, I can bond and be able to have a relationship with other people and we can get along with each other.
6: So
1: um, what did you do throughout the year in the program? If you can share, because I know it's going to be over soon and just curious if, curious if you can share with us just some things that you all did. And if someone else different wants to speak to, you know, not saying anyone that can't, i am just, you know, just give other people a chance to speak. Messiah, what's up?
5: So what we did at Solar Youth this semester, what we were working on are CSAP, we did writing Wrongs, mm-hmm. and we're going to be performing a new song tonight that we made up called Honey. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a brand. <laughs> Yeah, And we're also going to be doing our solar jam to be watching all, like, what we did all this semester and, like, what we learned. And we're going to be doing CSAP, I think, next week. Yeah, next week. And we're going to be cleaning up our community beach do
0: you
5: want to explain what a CSAP is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. CSAP is like helping our community and like taking action like of stuff like where they're killing honeybees for their honey and then we won't have any more plantation and then we won't be alive anymore, which will happen in 100 years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Realistically, 100 years. Watch.
1: You have given us a century. Thank you. Some people, some people only given us twenty to twenty two years. So thank you for giving us a hundred.
2: So not only we we were doing the seaside, but also we were learning how to communicate with each other and work together, and how we can make one small thing turn into one big thing mm-hmm. by helping the, our community and making our community better. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, are, are you hearing this? You, you see. You know, so people like my age and older have no excuse, none, okay? And 10 years younger than me because I'm 40, so, you know. (laughs) You got these these beauties are saying this, and they're doing this now before 15, before, you know, so we have no excuse. So now with that, thank you all for for being leaders, and uh, I know you're going to be gracing us with your your, your, your skills and talents. Let me ask you a couple other questions, okay? What is important for people to take away from what you all are going to be showing us today?
6: to really um, listen to what people say about helping the environment so you can help as well, and to talk about things, because if you don't talk about something, eventually it will reoccur from people um, just bringing you back up. Mm. And if you talk about it, you can solve it, because doing projects out to the community can really, a small bit goes a long way, and an example is like the butterfly effect. You can make a chain reaction and help them do something big, even if you don't think it is. I feel like they should take that away.
2: Come
4: on. Well, me and my little sister experienced a lot, and I bet y'all did too. There's a lot of violence, and where we grew up from, there's more violence. What you think? People are getting shot and they're dying, and people are not understanding that violence is not the way that you use things because when you use violence, all it's going to make you end up in a bad place that where nobody should end up.
1: I want to ask a question that we normally ask at Solar Youth. Okay, that's what I want to do. Okay. First of 1st I'm going to ask a couple. Can you all explain to us what it means that you're a one or a five?
5: So what it means to be a one or a five is that when you're a one, you're like, you didn't really have a good day you're like really upset about the day and then if you're a two you're having a bad day but it's starting to get a little bit better and if you're a three you're in the middle between like you had a bad day but then you had a good day at the same time if you're a four you're like you're happy and like your day was good but you're just tired (laughs) and then if you're a five you're like happy excited you want to jump around and stuff
1: I can admit if anyone else wants to, anyone else says anything, if you want to, every time I come and see you all and leave, I'm always a five. I can say that even if y'all, you know, sometimes we three or four, I'm always a five because y'all just always uh, give me hope. Like you know, I'm like, well, if I spend time with them. The
4: first day I came to Soul and Youth, I was a one huh. because I'm not. I don't like meeting new people. I get I'm very shy, uh-huh. so it it. It wasn't hard because everyone was nice, Mm -hmm. but it was kind of hard because I don't like opening up. Okay. Like, we had to say our name. I was just like, Mm, Okay. So, after a while, I got used to everybody in the program, Mm -hmm. and I made new friends, Mm -hmm. and I have them here now.
1: Wow. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I do understand that, for real. Okay? So, let me just... Check the pulse of the room real quick, see if are we good for one or two more questions, yeah. okay, okay, we do okay, all right, so um what is one of your favorite things um about being together? My favorite part is how funny everybody is. Bella. My favorite Bella. thing is about being so, together. Then, oh,
5: being
2: we can experience everybody's personality, personality and we can get to know each other better and we get to have more bottom
1: time together. So. See, see, everybody needs to be a part of Solar Youth. Okay. <laughs> well, let's see. I, well, I think I just have one more question, I think. Mm-hmm. And it is Are you ready for today? Yes. Oh, yes. What no. should the people expect from what y'all about to give fire. them? Then, oh, excuse me. Oh, first, we heard fire. That was quick. Okay, what else? Okay, we got flames going. What's going on, Andre Nick? Okay.
2: Everybody should expect us to be having a great time and everybody to be awesome. Really talented kids.
1: Yeah, we're really talented kids. Awesome. Hey, Andre, what's up? Raise your hand there.
2: For
4: them to be shook.
2: Oh, you stole mine.
1: You hear that? Shook. They're going
4: to be shook and they're going to hear some bars.
1: Oh, my goodness, bars. It's on. Well, uh,. How about this? Any final thoughts? Uh because uh because because when we just let you know, so Heartwood is it's a new mm-hmm. podcast. Okay, that Yale is doing. And so people are gonna hear your voices um when uh when we roll out our new season, okay, at the beginning of the fall semester, which will be in like September. And so I wanted to ask you, is there anything final that you would like people to know? Because y'all are the first y'all like, y'all will be the first voices that people hear, the world will hear. So the youth, New Haven, what's up? I want
2: everybody to know that, well, any children or teenagers that even know that when you try something and it doesn't turn out, keep trying to where you get get to your point that you want to be at because if you give up on something that you're shooting for, you're not going to go get where you really want to.
4: I feel like everyone should know that that everyone that everyone is worth something and everyone is gonna have a person that's gonna be there for them. And no matter what, you are a great person and everyone should know that. Pretty sure they should all be weirded out by
5: ourselves. <laughs> I, just, I just like when people are weirded out by me. Okay.
1: Really so you know. see everyone listening? We are sitting amongst nothing but brilliant, bold, beautiful, talented young folks who about to bless us is about to be fire as you just heard. Uh, they about to be shocked. They can be as weird as they want to be because they are, as someone said, everybody's great. So uh, I want to thank you all uh, for. Uh, I want to say you 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 blessed me. I want to thank you for being on, on on our podcast. I'm so serious. I hope that the seltzer water uh, blesses you, too. (laughs) Um, I'm really looking forward to uh, Well, possessed, hopefully, by by something positive. Oh, okay, we're jumping. Okay, all right, we're jumping. Uh, And I'm looking forward to seeing this outstanding performance and and the uh, surprise that they're going to get to. Thank you all. This is Hartwood, everybody, signing off. Peace. Hardwood is a production of the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies in New Haven, Connecticut. Our producer, editor, engineer is Chris Perkins, a joint degree student between both the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies as well as the Yale School of Management, where he is getting a Master's of Environmental Management and a Master's in Business Administration. I am Thomas Richard Easley. We'll see you next time. Thank you.